0: continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Ruben O's podcast. I'm Ruben Frank, and we're presented by Deborah Heart and Lung Center. If it's your heart, demand Deborah, visit demandtobora.org. And please subscribe and rate the podcast wherever you go to download and listen to podcasts. By selves today, will be uh, rejoined by Dave Zangaro uh, for the next one. But I just wanted to talk about the Carson Wentz interview, stories, uh, the whole shebang. It's been a really interesting few days, uh, the way this all came about. I know a lot of people are really curious how it happened, uh, how the six of us, the Carson Six, got picked. Uh, the, I know there's been some uh, some questions about that. And then about the interview himself and what Carson said, uh, it's been an unusual uh, a few days from that standpoint, in that uh, I believe it was early last week, I just got a text saying Carson's going to be available. Would you like to uh, be a part of the group that interviews him? I said sure. Uh, how, how do you not? <laughs> how do you not turn down an opportunity? Carson doesn't speak very often, and when he's even when he's healthy, he talks uh, once a week, and then after games when he's playing. Uh, we talked to him the day after the Saints game in the locker room, and hadn't talked to him since. Uh, There was about 30 to 40 people at that interview. So it was kind of, in that setting, it's hard to get somebody to talk in depth at length. Uh, You don't get a lot of insight from someone in that situation. Um, We were told this would be a small group. I didn't know how small um, until they told us who was going to be. There was going to be six of us, and it was... Myself and Dave, uh, Dave Zangaro, uh, my colleague here at NBC Sports Philadelphia, Shil Kapadia from The Athletic, Tim McManus from ESPN, and then a couple guys from the Inquirer, Zach or the uh, Philly dot com, I guess it is, uh, Daily News Inquirer conglomerate, and that was Jeff McLean uh, who skyped in from the Super Bowl in Atlanta, and Zach Berman. Uh, so uh, it-, it turns out that we were selected by Carson, and Carson kind of wanted a not just in light of the Philly Voice story, but he just wanted to talk. Uh, He he wanted to get a lot of things uh, out in the open. Um, It's something they had talked about, the the Eagles PR department, with Carson even before that story came out. Uh, Carson's going to be doing a lot of media over the next month uh, regarding his charity, and he didn't want this to be the main topic. He didn't want to be out promoting his charity and have to answer 100 questions about the Philly Voice story so his thinking was, let's get some some guys together who I trust and who I'm comfortable around, make them a small group, and I'll sit and answer all their questions uh, for half an hour or so. Uh, so we got the word that the interview was going to be on Thursday, this past Thursday, uh, in the, the media house. We call it the frat house. Now, the, the care complex is built on the old uh, Navy ground, Navy hospital grounds. So there's a bunch of different buildings that – were all just different offices, or I don't know, operating centers, or whatever a hospital has. It was a whole complex of buildings. They tore down the main buildings, but all the tertiary buildings are still there. And one houses like buildings and grounds for the for the NovaCare complex. Uh, one has all the old records, like all the old uh, media guides and record books, the Eagles' historical stuff and then there's the frat house where the media works and they they kind of gutted the building and uh put a bunch of it's basically an office building and upstairs in there is a kind of a lounge with a few couches and uh and and some comfy chairs uh where people can go and do uh either do interviews or just kind of get away from the writers and have some quiet a quiet place to work so that's where we were we were in the upstairs lounge at the uh at the frat house as we call it and uh and it was it was very, very relaxed. It was just the six of us plus um Brett Strosacker and John Ganode from the Eagles PR department and Carson. And uh Carson had just gotten back from the West Coast. He was on a trip to uh Northern California with his wife. They went to uh wine country, Sonoma, Napa counties, and uh he sat down and we just we all just it was it was um it was unique because Carson's been here three years, but we've never He's not a guy that any of us have really gotten to know real well. Where you know Nick is is very, and I think the nature of Nick coming in as a as a third round pick and as a backup when he first got here, uh, he, he was you know he got to know the writers pretty well. and He's he never really was guarded from that standpoint. Uh, we've all had uh, a bunch of one on one interviews with with Nick, uh, but but Carson's been different. You're the second round pick. Uh, there's a lot more media demands on you and he's always been a pretty guarded kid uh but this was different and and uh you could tell right from the beginning he sat down he was just very relaxed uh he was just wearing you know wearing a t-shirt and sweats and um and uh, it, it was it was it was different than any other time I've ever even before we started talking you could tell it was different cuz he just uh he was really chatty just talking about San Francisco and uh trying to learn how to identify what a good wine is and he was joking about how bad he is at identifying wines and he was telling us where they had gone uh where they had visited the different wineries and stuff and um and he was talking about how much he enjoyed the trip and then we just kind of started talking uh it was was all very informal and and uh i guess i asked the first question was just what was your reaction when you read the the philly voice story and I, i don't have to tell everybody what that story was about but um he was he was emotional and he was uh, you could tell uh he was hurt by it. Uh you could tell um and I I will be honest, he he handled it better than I ever, I ever would have. If somebody sat down and wrote a story ripping me and doing it unfairly without kind of making it a balanced story and somebody who already had a proven, you know, agenda against me and had kind of dubious sources in that the story had quoted had had quotes that came from sources well you know does that mean two different people said the exact same thing it was all just very i don't know it was very unorthodox <laughs> and uh I would have totally understood it if Carson just lashed out at Philly voice and the guy that wrote the story and the editor but he didn't he didn't he really took the high road right from the get-go and he said he was uh, he wishes that the people that were quoted uh who were his teammates and we don't know how many there were because the story said six teammates and non-teammates teammates and people around the team so could have been one teammate could have been six we don't know uh but he said he just wishes that if somebody had an issue with him that that they came to him uh directly and and he said that's how we do things in our locker room he said you know when you have when you have 53 people and the transcript the full transcripts on our website uh com. but he he really wanted to get into how, you know, we, we have a locker room where this kind of thing really doesn't happen. When you have 53 people, there's always going to be, you know, wherever you work, there's always going to be people that have, there's friction between, that don't see eye to eye, uh, that have different ways of wanting to accomplish the same goal. Um, and, and there's always going to be friction between employees. I, I've never been at a place where that hasn't been the case, and I don't think anybody has. You're talking about 50 players. Plus practice squad guys, plus injured guys, plus 20 coaches, plus equipment guys and ball boys and everybody that's around the team every day. Uh, there's going to be a lot of people. There's going to be people that uh, have hurt feelings. It's, it's just the reality. And uh, Carson had never really been uh, criticized a whole lot in his life. So it was eye-opening for him. And uh, in, instead of lashing out at uh, the people responsible for the story, um he he said i think it's uh it's an opportunity for me to kind of take what was said about me and go through it and ask myself is this valid is this valid is this valid how much of this is legitimate and in, in, instead of kind of going the other way which i think most people would do would be like you know and and he did there were a lot of kind of vague anecdotes in the story that he said were factually untrue. Um uh, he said he had never had a altercation with a player. He said he never had um uh you know sh- a shouting match or whatever it was with Mike Rowe. And by the way, quarterbacks and coaches, players and coaches have shouting matches every day. I mean this is normal. This is this happens in every locker room, even Super Bowl teams. It happens all the time. Um but he said those particular incidents and he he, he went through a few different things Uh, And it was weird because the story didn't have any specifics. It never said on this day this is what happened between Carson and such and such person, or or you know over over this. It was all very vague. So he, but he said most of those things, those anecdotal things that were in the story, weren't true. But he didn't want to focus on that, and and that's what he kept saying. He's like, I don't want to. He's like, Yeah, that's not true. That never happened. But I don't want to focus on that. That's not my focus. My focus is on what can I do to be a better person? What can I do to be a better quarterback, uh, to be a better teammate, uh, to be a better person? And how much of this is, is legitimate. He said, there's probably some truth to some of it. Um, he he said, you know, am I selfish? He said, well, and I'm I'm not going to read a whole lot from the, from the transcript because you you guys have probably read it by now, but, uh, and and you can find it. Um, he, he did say, Looking back, there were things that maybe I neglected as a teammate and as a friend because I was just so determined. And he's talking about during his rehab when he was kind of isolated from the team. Um, he said, I was just so determined, and that's all that mattered, uh, talking about his rehab. He said it was tough because any time you're hurt, you're really not with the team as much. You're in the training room. You're at practice. Um Uh, or you're not at practice, Uh, you guys saw me in the spring. I was on the other field doing conditioning or sprints or whatever I was working on. Uh, So just having this element of being separate a little bit uh, from from his teammates. Uh, There's just elements of that as a teammate. You get so focused on just getting the knee right or getting back that you can miss out on the human side of things, the personal side of being a teammate, being around your brothers and and spending time and all that. So there's that element that I definitely look back on and think, were there moments or were there opportunities that I just neglected because I wanted to be healthy first? And it, and I thought that was a really pivotal thing in this whole 25-minute interview was that realization. It's quite understandable. When you're rehabbing an injury, uh, and that he was talking about his knee during training camp, uh, he didn't participate. A couple of days he participated in 7-on-7s. Seven but for most of the practices, even the ones that he did participate in, he was on a side field by himself with a trainer or with a couple other injured guys who were rehabbing, uh guys who had gotten hurt at the end of two thousand seventeen. Uh and um he was just in, you know, by himself. And uh he he really was um I, I would say eloquent, eloquently really described I mean what I just read is um very insightful uh, kind of self-reflection on his part, I thought, to uh, to understand why some of his teammates might have felt that he was isolating himself from them, from the rest of the team, uh, to explain why it happened, um, and to discuss this balance between being so driven to get healthy and putting all his energy into that rehab and whatever um, drills he was doing with the trainers and, and neglecting that leadership side cuz he's still going to be the the starting quarterback at some point so that leadership he felt like he had kind of neglected that side of it. And I thought that was um out of the whole interview. That was the part that really kind of jumped out at me as being uh some of the deepest self-reflection he talked about um being stubborn. That was one of the and, and I'm I'm embarrassed to even kind of characterize some of these things in the story because every quarterback, probably every pro athlete uh, at some point in their life has been accused of being stubborn. Uh, it, you know, and if it's a positive story, and two years ago, there were positive stories about Carson that described him as, uh, you know, hard-headed and, and 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 driven and always wants to get his way. So it's just a different way of saying the same thing. Uh, Every quarterback, and I've been covering this team since, you know, since Jaws was the quarterback uh, and and Randall. And and you go through to Jim McMahon and and every quarterback this team has had, Donovan, Kevin Cobb, you name it, Michael Vick, they want things their way. They want to run the plays they want to run. They want the offense to be the offense they, uh, you know, they sit around and think about. They want everything tailored to them. Uh, when you're a quarterback you have to have that personality and Carson's no different and does that create run-ins with coaches sometimes yeah of course Uh, but I mean that's part of the process and 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 like I said you get that every single week in every NFL uh, 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 locker room and I, I would tell you or meeting room and I would tell you that the teams that don't have that the quarterbacks that don't say to their to their position coach hey you know what I don't. I don't like this game plan. I don't like these plays. This isn't going to work. And here's why: if you don't have that, I think that's when you have a losing team. I, I think it's, it's the teams where you have it and it's it's, uh, it's constructive and it's respectful, but it's it can get pretty heated. And I I've seen that happen. Uh, it, it's not unusual and it's it's not the exception. So, when Carson says, "Am I stubborn?" I'm like, "Yeah, I I want what I want like every other quarterback. Yeah, quarterback. You think Tom Brady." You know, you think Brett Favre, Russell Wilson, you name it. You think these guys don't have run-ins with their coaches every, every year, every month? You no. Know, sometimes you hear about it. Sometimes you don't. You hear this guy's hard-headed. You know, how many how many quarterbacks have you had, you know from Ben Roethlisberger to you know every every tell tell me a quarterback you haven't heard it about? Oh, I mean, I, who was it? Uh, who was it with the Seahawks that was getting on uh, Russell Wilson a couple of years ago? Was it uh, Marshawn? I think Marshawn Lynch was uh, you know, I mean Russell Wilson's a Hall of Fame. He's already just turned thirty, he's already a, a Hall of Fame quarterback. Two Super Bowls, one one, playoffs every year, wins eleven or twelve games every year. He's one of the he's one of the best, you know, quarterbacks in the NFL. And and he has teammates going after him and and, and stories like that. So Carson A was able to kind of uh, admit to these flaws, admit to these, I don't even want to call them flaws, but just personality traits. And in some cases, he, he, flaws, he he would describe them as flaws, but uh, personality traits uh, that are kind of endemic with all quarterbacks. Uh, but also kind of say, you know, I I have to get better at that. I have to get better at communicating with my coaches and my teammates. Uh, but he said, you know, that's always the case, and that's the case for everybody on this team. We're always trying to get better on the field, off the field. There was such a self-awareness when he was talking, um, and, and it really struck me that uh, by doing this, by 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 addressing this stuff, and and taking some you know some responsibility for for uh, deficiencies is probably the better better word than than flaws deficiencies uh in, in the way he's acted the last few years uh by taking responsibility he really kind of to me proved his leadership he he kind of proved that even though maybe taken individually some of these traits or things he's demonstrated at times uh, that in reality he is a tremendous leader. He's a tremendous communicator uh and he's a tremendous teammate. We know he's a great player. I mean, gosh, even hurt last year, twenty one touchdowns, seven interceptions with a with a bad knee and not a bad knee, but a, a knee that was still not explosive, uh, and a back that was getting worse and worse. He still got fifty, what is it, fifty four touchdowns and fourteen picks the last two years, which is pretty Gosh darn good numbers! Uh, I was really impressed. I was impressed with uh, with the way he spoke. I was impressed with how thoughtful he was, how insightful he was, how self aware he was, and, and how motivated he was. E- even though probably fifty fifty percent, you know, fifty out of fifty three guys in the in the in the locker room like Carson and respect him and have no problems with him, he still. Wants to win over those last three guys. And the guys quoted could have been practice squad cornerbacks. You know, we don't know who they were. And that's one of the problems with these anonymous stories where even the quotes that were used didn't say what anonymous. Like, if you talk to six anonymous people, generally, journalistically, Ethically, what you do in that situation, you say person number one, or um, a veteran defensive player, or an offensive starter, or a coach. You identify the person to the extent that each quote, you kind of know where it's coming from. So if there's 12 quotes, well, number three and number eight are from the same person. That's just what you do. Eth- Otherwise, you just have, you know, but when you have sources said and you have a quote, you know, you're telling me that two different people said the exact same quote, word for word. It just becomes kind of hazy. But as tempted as he might have been to address all those flaws and deficiencies in the story, he never. He took the high road from start to finish, um, because uh, he he doesn't. You no, know, I think what's important to him is the other stuff. It's like, how can I be a better teammate? It's not about some story. It's about. Um, you know, how can I be a better person, a better teammate, a better friend, better quarterback? And, and that's what his focus was on from start to finish. Um, Carson talked about some other stuff that was interesting uh, about his knee, about his back. And uh, we'll go over some of that stuff after this important health tip from DeBorah Heart and Lung Center. We're back with the Rube Nose Podcast, Ruben Frank, and talking about Carson Wentz's interview uh, with a handful of writers last week. And there was a lot that he talked about that did not have to do with the Philly Voice story. That was just as interesting and insightful. Uh, he talked a lot about his injuries. And uh, he talked about the frustration of missing the end of a second straight season and the kind of inner turmoil or the dichotomy of being you know Nick Foles is literally his best friend in the world they're 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 so close and to sit and watch your best friend kind of you know it's it's like you, you know you take you take the hot girl to the dance and then your best friend is dancing with her two proms in a row um and you know we saw what happened at the end of the first prom <laughs> you know the second prom didn't go too bad either for Nick so it's a really really tough position for Carson and he said it wasn't easy Uh, He said, and I'll give you a quick quote, Uh, the number one thing I remember the last two years was just watching from the sidelines isn't fun. Uh, I want to do everything I can to be healthy, to stay healthy, and not have to go through that again. Um, The offense I thought was great. I was ecstatic to see the guys rally. Um, It was awesome for Nick to show uh, that 2017 wasn't a fluke. He's a heck of a player. Uh, But at the same time, there's real emotions that, again, I want to be out there and here we go again. Um I think a lot of a lot has been overblown about how Nick played compared to how Carson played. I think there's there's a real sense that if if Nick has a game where he's average, the perception is that he's played a lot better than when Carson has a really good game. I'm not sure why that is Maybe because Carson's a first-round pick, second pick overall. Nick's a third pick, and you, he kind of has that, you know, that um, overachiever. You know, late middle-round pick makes good. You know, heartwarming story where Carson comes in with incredible expectations as the second pick. Uh, so when you look at you know how Nick played in the playoffs, I mean, he really didn't play that well. He had one great drive at the end of the Chicago game. And one great quarter at the beginning of the Saints game, he put up 30 points in two games through four interceptions. Carson's, in in his life, has never thrown two interceptions in back-to-back games. He's never done that. He doesn't throw interceptions. He throws a lot of touchdowns. Uh, So I think there's a little bit of a double standard where when Nick plays mediocre, it's seen as he's playing great. When Carson plays really well, it's seen as he's playing mediocre. You know, you take away the the Saints game when they were out of it from the beginning. He had 17 touchdowns and four picks this year in the the rest of his his 10 other games. Uh, So he was pretty good. Um, He wasn't right. He wasn't the same. uh, And he actually averaged 23 points a game. The offense averaged more points a game with Carson at QB this year than with Nick. Averaged 22 with Nick, 23 with Carson. So Carson's even talking about how well the offense ran with Nick. When the reality is they actually it ran better with Carson, a the quarterback. There were inconsistencies where they didn't score early and, and that kind of thing. But I think the fact that the defense played so much better once Nick got in at quarterback reflected on everybody, on the whole team. So there's this perception that Nick played so much better than Carson. Uh, it's not the reality. Um, and he talked about that. I'll give you one more quick quote on that. He he said, um, and, and I was looking at this, there was – like if if you change four plays in four games, instead of being five and six, Carson's nine and two. I mean and you can do that pretty much with any team, but uh he was close to being pretty darn good this year. Um and, and he talked about it. he said, you know, we were right there in every game other than New Orleans. We just didn't finish. Uh we put it together late in the year as a team. It's hard to say exactly why. Uh, But we rallied around each other and found a way to win, which we really weren't doing early in the year. Uh, That's fair. Now he talked about his um, his knee. He said he was healthy enough to play. He said I wasn't injured. I'm not making excuses. But he said I felt confident. He said I felt confident. uh, But as far as being explosive, I never quite. And he kept saying, I don't want to use this as an excuse. But I watched the tape from two years ago. You watched last year, and you can say I wasn't quite there as far as mobility and being explosive. Uh, And that's something I just have to keep working through. Everyone keeps saying it's an 18-month, two-year thing to really feel strong again, to be back to normal. Uh, I'm getting there. I keep getting better. I don't think we'll worry about either of these injuries going forward. He said the back is getting better, too. He said the back really bothered him. It's the first time he admitted uh, that the back really bothered him uh uh he, he and i think the most important thing is that you know he's going to be he i asked him when he was actually walking out i said are you throwing yet and he said almost he said i'm almost to the point where i can throw which is to me is a big step for a guy who had a broken back a broken bone in his back that to be able to throw and have that torque and that motion uh and here i am acting it out and this is a podcast and nobody can see me actually uh throwing a football in here but uh i am uh but i he, he, i think that's a really big step for him we're we're in february and he's almost there physically I, I think by 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 april he said he expects to be a full go in mini camps training camps going to come around at the end of july early august uh he's going to be full go he's going to be healthy he's going to be at that point let's do the math about what 20 months from the injury 20 months out from the injury uh probably closer to 98% than this past year, or he might have been 80% as far as mobility and explosion. Uh, but the main thing is he's going to have this whole offseason to throw with his teammates, uh, if they'll talk to him. That's just a joke. Uh, to throw with his teammates, uh, to, to go through all the mini camps, uh, and to not have to worry about rehabbing and uh, working with, uh, with trainers on side fields. He's going to be a part of the team, um, Nick, Nick's shadow is going to be elsewhere, which is kind of bittersweet for Carson because he's going to see his best friend go to another team. Uh, But I think Nick will do well where he goes. Uh, But it's going to be Carson's team. He's going to get a big contract soon. Uh, He's going to be the clear leader of this team, the clear quarterback of the future. Uh, He's going to be healthy. And there's no doubt in my mind that the Carson Wentz we see in 2019 is going to be very, very close, if not the same, if not better, Than the guy we saw have an MVP 13 games in 2017, uh, 33 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. I think people forget just how good he was. 33 touchdowns, 7 interceptions uh, is is big-time stuff. Uh, He he had an all-time season, an all-time season. And this past year, uh, to see him play at the level he did where he wasn't terrible, he actually had a higher passer rating this year than last year. He just couldn't move around as much. He couldn't couldn't run. Couldn't make plays with his feet. If you watch the way he played, being hampered by these injuries, I don't know how you can't be big time encouraged that when he's a hundred percent healthy, he again is going to be, you know, one of the two or three best young quarterbacks in the league. And I think I'm going to put him ahead of Jared Goff after what I saw Sunday. Uh, I'll put him behind Pat Mahomes, but. He's right up there with everybody else. I think he's a top-five quarterback in the NFL, and I think everybody's going to see that once he is healthy. Then, you know, the big question is staying healthy, and I don't see any reason he can't, but it's something he has to do. This is two years in a row now. Uh, People talk about he got hurt in preseason in 2016. I'm not losing sleep over that. He didn't miss a game. Um, he, He missed some games in college, but he came back and played in the championship game and won it. Uh, does he have an injury history? Probably no more than any other young player, uh, but it is something he's got to get past. It's something that he's got to prove not just next year that he can play 16 games and get to the playoffs, but he can put together uh, a number of seasons in a row playing 16 games like the best quarterbacks in the league. Eli never misses games. Drew Brees never misses games. Brady never misses games. Uh, ben, never misses, or ben rarely misses games. Uh, you know, these guys, Philip Rivers never misses a game. He's gotta get to that point. To really be considered one of the best, that's where he's gotta be. And he understands that, he knows it, he embraces it, and uh he's gonna do everything he can to get to that point. That's gonna do it for this edition of the Rube Knows Podcast. I appreciate everybody who listens and always appreciate your feedback and uh please rate the podcast wherever you go to download podcasts. I'll be back very, very soon with my pal Dave Zangaro, and we will do this all over again. Get your brand-new podcast later in the week and talk about some other stuff, some issues facing the Eagles as they embark on the offseason. A lot of stuff coming up very soon. Free agency, the combine, uh, the owner's meetings, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you very soon.